On 96.7 on your FM dial, we talk about quality of life an awful lot. Now, that sounds like a negative thing. In fact, it's a really important positive thing. We can, hopefully, through this program and, and your reading and your interest in quality of life, maybe shift you just a little bit, maybe change well, I know people call it a, a paradigm shift. If that is possible, uh, just a change in perspective of uh, maybe even just a, a few degrees might affect your, might change your way of looking at things and, and maybe hmm, be that, that change that you need in your life. Today, we're going to talk about caregiving. There is someone here beside me who has written not one, but two books on caregiving. Lisa Vaughn. Tell us a little bit more about these books. Oh, we're going to talk about it for quite a while, but you, where, what prompted the writing of a book on caregiving? So the Conscious Caregiving Guide is, a, um, is the first book in the series. So there's five books in the Conscious Caregiving series. There's Caregiving Insights. There's a workbook that goes with it. There's a guided journal. And there's also gentle quotes on caregiving. And this is all part of the Wish I Knew series. So it's all books on experiences that I've had personally and as a therapist for the last over 20 years now, working with a lot of different situations, caregiving being one of them. When I went through my own caregiving experience, I didn't realize what a big issue it was. It was, you know, 15 years ago. I was 30 at the time and I was working as a manager for community living. You know, for some people, caregiving starts slowly. It's kind of like that. um, Have you heard of the the experiments where they put a frog in a pot of hot water and the, they found that the frog will jump out right away. But if you put the frog in a pot of lukewarm water and gradually turn up the heat, the frog won't perceive the threat and they'll boil to death. And a lot of caregiving situations start like that. Oh, okay. I was wondering where you you're know, going with the frog. Well, the yeah. But so, yes, you're right. So it starts with just a few tasks. You know, maybe you're oh. driving to appointments or you're picking up medication and then adding Are on a few more things. Are you saying that the caregiver things. eventually comes to a tipping point, a, a crisis moment where they need care? Absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, that led me to burnout. So my caregiving situation um, started very abruptly. It wasn't... It often is that yeah, way, yeah, it? A yeah. crisis moment, a mother who slips, a father who has exactly. diabetes or, or yeah. has... Uh, even shingles, apparently. Yep. Yes, Some and there's the so pain. many, so many situations that start gradually over time, and you then don't there's see it. Yes, it's and the you frog d- situation. Exactly. I'm, that's a very good analogy for what's going on. Yeah, and so for for me, my grandmother was developing signs of Alzheimer's disease, and my grandfather passed away suddenly of a heart attack, and so. I just jumped straight into the pot of boiling water. Not as smart as a frog. I didn't jump out right away. It wasn't long before I started feeling that hot water boiling feeling. And like I said, I was 30 at the time. I had two small kids. I was working full time. So you were caregiving for your children. Yeah, and my daughter was born with a medical condition. We had to go to Ottawa for appointments. Uh, we were unionizing. You had there too was many stress. things going on. Yes, exactly. Don't we all? Well, caregiving often doesn't time come at a good time in our lives. It comes no, when we're least expecting. The sandwich generation. Exactly. Looking after children, looking after parents. Yeah. We're squeezed. Yeah, exactly. And I've heard, you know, 
since my caregiving situation, so many different caregiving stories from, you know, parents who were raising children with special needs or without um, adult children helping out with their elderly parents or a spouse helping, you know, their husband or wife that got sick unexpectedly or had an accident. So there's just so many different situations and since writing the Conscious Caregiving Guide, I'm hearing more and more stories Gosh. and looking into the statistics. Uh, in Canada, there's 8 million informal unpaid caregivers in comparison to about 2 million paid care- caregivers. So when you think about that difference, we think that when we're going to be in a caregiving situation, we're going to have you know, professionals to help us out, but there's just not enough funding there's not enough professionals and as the aging population ages this situation is going to get more and Mm. more you know we're going to be in these situations more often so much to talk about this is Hugh Cruzel and you might be listening to terrestrial radio 96.7 on your FM dial but you might be listening to a podcast asynchronously as well My guest, Lise LeBlanc, she's been writing about caregiving and a number of other things we'll talk about perhaps in a future episode. Lise, I have to ask you the question. We're aging too, you and I. Oh, you look great. (laughs) I look a little less great. Uh, What are we going to learn from all this as we need care? So one of the biggest things that I learned when I went through that journey, so I, I had a burnout. And, um, you know, as I was going through all of these things in my life, I already had a lot on my plate and I was managing the stuff on my plate. But when my grandfather passed away, there was grieving. There was a lot of things around that. Just the whole funeral process. Yeah. And he didn't have a will. He didn't have, you know, final directives. Decisions had to be made. There was conflict. So there was a lot of things going on with the grieving. And because my grandfather was caring for my grandmother and we really didn't know the extent of what was going on. often it's hidden behind the doors. It was very hidden. They were very secretive and trying to manage it on their own. And so when he passed away, she declined overnight and it was decided that she would come and live with us because we were the only family members in the area. My mom um, was in Calgary, my aunt was in Whitehorse, my uncle in Chatham and my sister in London. So literally there was no one within a six hour radius. And so she moved in with us. And when that happened, I was, I'd been a therapist for seven years. And, you know, you'd think that I knew about self-care and what to do and how to manage these kind of situations. But when I realized that I was heading for a burnout, my initial response to that was to eat more spinach and do yoga and go to the gym. No wonder you look great. Maybe (laughs) stress is good for you. Maybe it is. And there are good. Some of us do thrive on it. And there are good parts to it. But for me, it ended up that it was just more obligations, more appointments, more things to do. There's only 24 hours in a day. Exactly. And some of it has to be spent sleeping. Did you start to uh, diminish your hours of rest? Did well, you did you start slicing into that, that eight hours that we really need? I did, and well, and I had small children, right? That and already not, slices uh, into the sleep. Yes. But what I was finding is that I was waking up in the morning just as exhausted as I was when I flopped into bed the night before. Mm. My batteries were not recharging, mm. and... Then you go to melatonin, and then you try other things to all enrich things. your sleep experience, and yeah. that's... Uh, path that you don't want to follow too uh, too long anyways. Yeah, and so what I learned about self-care the long hard way was that, you know, it's not so much about these 
I'll say surface level, superficial methods of self-care. You know, it is great to go for a massage. It's great to take a walk and do nice things for yourself. They are band-aids. And, you know, if you're just tired versus burnt out, those things can go a long way in optimizing your health and wellness on a day-to-day basis. But when you're burning out because the situation you're in is too much... And only getting worse. Yes. You have to make changes to the situation, not... You but know, try to cover don't that. Don't you think we as caregivers maybe create a self-fulfilling prophecy because we do take on some things that maybe we shouldn't take on, and we go, "Well, I can help with this too," or just you know, getting up and taking a plate to even to the sink, where really the person whose plate it is should get up and do some physical activity, and yeah, and and, and, and that's just a simple example. Oh, but it's hitting on a huge point because not only are you taking on too much as a caregiver, but you're taking away those pieces of independence and that once we're that part the care of, recipient and needs. that could be paying bills. Exactly, I'll could sit be down anything. and help you pay the bills yeah. online. Oh, I don't like doing on. Okay, let's go to the bank together. Exactly, except going to the bank. That's you know getting dressed, and especially here in the winter, half an hour defrosting the car, going to the bank, it's a half an hour. It's an hour and a half by the time you're done. You could have done it online in seven minutes. Exactly. But the fear, especially amongst seniors, doing it online. Yeah. Yeah. And the and numbers, you can get the numbers other thing is a big problem, right? For, for people with Alzheimer's and dementia, it mm. really is oh, not yes. understanding the, the implications of $40 worth of four versus 400 or right. paying a bill today. Many seniors want to pay their bill the minute they get it. Yeah. And in fact, really what you could do is you could have six or eight of them, but then that seems overwhelming, doesn't yeah. it? And it's all related to our conditioning, right? It's all related to the wiring and what, how we were brought up and how we were trained and conditioned to do things well, certain I ways. I go back to what I just said yeah. earlier, was how are you and I yeah. going to be different in our care needs? Yeah, and so... In terms of our care needs, I think just generally, generationally speaking, we're conditioned differently. So there's certain things, but I think it's really and and w- going back to what I learned around self care, is self care is really about figuring out why you're overextending yourself in the per- first place. Why are we taking uh, on too much? Well, why? Because we there's f- lo- we feel family family demands. Yeah. That that need that genetic relationship between you and the other person yeah although it could be a friend yeah it could be yeah there's so it could many be chronology the fact that you've known each other for so many years yeah uh, you must have been a great caregiver though you know i i think that i was a terrible caregiver what? <laughs> yeah impossible and, and i think sometimes what seems like failure is really your 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 success or your greatest opportunity for growth and what seems like success is what's actually stunting you and for me it was a very challenging time and when i was going was through this years we're talking so this three, was 15 years, years ago and, and it lasted for about three years mm-hmm. my grandmother um lived for another six years but she was in the nursing home for the last few and that, years that's also a stress too yeah well, are my we mom, getting we know that yeah. these care homes some of them are not Oh, valid places to be. It's very hard to You probably see. just There's read about uh, in British Columbia about a, a, a company, a Chinese company that owned a care. Maybe it hasn't hit the news for you yet. I didn't see but it. But we know that some care facilities are, are warehouses. Yeah are not the kind of place we want to put anyone, and not even, even our good, worst enemies. And even the good care facilities are often don't have the resources. Challenge. They yes. have too 
you know, two personal support workers for 30 people. And you, you walk in there and, you know, it's just sad. The situation is sad. And, you know, when my, um, when my grandmother went to the nursing home not long after my mom moved back and I was burnt out, so my mom took over a lot and that was really helpful for me. And in the work that I did and what changed my perspective on being a failure or, you know, these mistakes that I'd made as a caregiver because I was so stressed out and I didn't, you know, to me, nobody was talking around me anyway about the real challenges of feeling so burdened and exhausted in this, what is self-care and uh, the relationship problems. Maybe they weren't there yet. Maybe they weren't or there maybe or they, they don't talk about it because, because I wasn't talking I know, talking you're pointing your it. finger at me. You're right because Yeah, you I weren't. put my face, you know, I put my little happy uh, face on or my mask. I went to work. I, ch- I didn't, you know, and when I go back to those underlying reasons of why I was taking on too much and why I wasn't setting up my caregiving situation in a way that worked better for me and my family, it was because... I had a big ego. I didn't want to look weak, incompetent, incapable. I didn't want to look like I couldn't handle it. Just looking to see if you're wearing power shoes. Yes, no, I'm (laughs) just wearing these little shoes. 15 years, though, 15 (laughs) years ago, and and let's say it ended three years, so 12 years ago. Now, Mm -hmm. 12 years has given you a chance to have a perspective on this and to reflect on it. You're probably doing something, something that most people don't do. The, the situation changed, ended, you package it up, put it away. Yeah. Instead, you've opened that box up several times and analyzed what went on, and yeah. let's go to it, yeah. you've written. Yes. You're actually trying to influence other people. Uh, you know, just to summarize, you're influencing others, making them aware of the challenges of caregiving. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And for me, that's the benefit in the burnout. You know, in the beginning you said stress isn't all bad and and even burnout isn't all bad because it turned out to be a huge opportunity for growth. Another one of those underlying reasons why I was taking on too much and not putting my own oxygen mask on before helping others with theirs. And it wasn't even just in my caregiving situation. I was doing this at work. I was doing this in other places. And I had a story running that I was, you know, a problem child, that I was the black sheep of the family, that I was the family screw up. And I had rough teenage childhood years that was reinforcing. And I wanted to make my family proud. I didn't want to disappoint them. I wanted to be the family hero. I wanted to put my cape on and save the day. And my grandmother had been a great caregiver for me in my youth. And I felt like I owed that to her. And I felt burdened. And I had all these negative emotions of guilt. And I had resentment. And that resentment was flowing into my family life, into my marriage, into my ability to be a parent. And so all these things were happening happening and I wrote the conscious caregiving guide because after these you know deep years of analysis because I went to therapy to to deal with my burnout and I did a lot of things to really get myself into an optimum state of wellness Mm. and when I think of you know why I wrote this book it's one to help other people avoid the mistakes I made and to have a better caregiving experience but also to figure out how we can you know set ourselves up better get ourselves in an optimum state of wellness mentally emotionally physically and spiritually so that when we're in need of care we're in a good place or when we become a caregiver that includes power of attorney right that includes oh, a proper will absolutely that includes directives to others you you mentioned that with your grandfather not leaving yeah. anything are we better at it, especially in this electronic world of creating documents that say, this is what I would like? I think most people avoid it. 
and in my grief book that's coming out in May, May of 2020. Grief and loss, yes, and you're a contributing we will, author. We will talk. We will. Yes, uh, I talk a lot. I about, laughed. That I, was a very hard thing to write. Yes, and I talk a I'm lot. I'm sure about, this book was very hard to write too. You know the 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 conscious caregiving guide. I um I thought I had dealt with it all because I did. You know, like I said, I went to therapy and I I really unpacked this stuff. And it was still very cathartic for me to write about that experience and to really dig into some other pieces and then people share their stories and you know it's very relatable and and the book's very much written as a guide so it, it's a lot of a lot of um, real life examples and a lot of concrete strategies and quick and easy assessments. So it's in bite-sized chunks, but it's very relatable and it's got a lot of information. So you can turn to any page in the grief book or, or the care book and you can probably extract from one paragraph something that might help you. Absolutely. A chapter even better. Yeah. The whole book even more so. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's. I really wanted to make it real and authentic and the things I know that the things I experienced because I've talked to so many caregivers since and and this book isn't about caregiving for someone with Alzheimer's even though that was my personal experience it's about all kinds of caregiving well, you, situations. You mentioned community living so we're talking people about people our, our families our, our neighbors with children and mm -hmm. and adults we have to now here in northern Ontario many things are so hidden partly because of the weather Mm -hmm. We don't see people with with various different abilities on the street. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard. Yeah. Um, so I think some of our needs are, are very hidden. Yeah, and I think they're very hidden, and I think we hide them. Mm -hmm. You know, I do think that there is still a lot of stigma around different, you know. Even head injuries. Uh, all oh. kinds of, I mean, there's so many different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just visiting with my sister who's recently been diagnosed with a brain tumor and she was telling me how hard it is to be treated differently because her, you know, because her physical capacities are really diminishing and, you know, going in stores and, and she's, you know, in a wheelchair at this point uh, for, you know, walking long or going long distances and just being treated differently and not being able to do the things that you used to be well, able to do and needing help, you know. To try and reach something off a shelf in and a having store. to ask for help, you yes. know, and that for me was one of the biggest things when I reached that threshold of burning out and having to get honest with the people who, you know, loved and cared about me and say, you know, this is where I'm at and putting my pride aside and saying, I need help. Um, that was hard to do. That was hard for me to do at that point in my life. And we have to get over ourselves. Let's talk about the book itself. Mm -hmm. How, uh, there's, there's so there's the Conscious Caregiving Guide, and then there's the workbook that goes with the with, guide. And then there's other. There's the Caregiving Insights, which is 13 chapters by 13 different authors who um, share their own personal story mm -hmm. of a caregiving situation with some very insightful and powerful lessons learned and advice. Would you need to do the whole thing to really, or, or as I mentioned before, can you take a chapter? How big is that first book that you wrote? So the Conscious it's Caregiving. It's 200 and some Yeah, pages. it's about 200 pages, a little less than 200 so pages. So it's digestible. It's I mean, digestible. it's not a textbook. No, no, it's not it's a not, textbook. It's not for <laughs> social workers. It's for anybody. It's this for, is for anybody. husbands, wives, yeah. children. Yes. You know, I wrote it really with the 
um, unpaid informal caregiver in mind, but there's a lot there's so a lot many. in it for professional caregivers as well. So I've been a oh. professional caregiver my entire career. Um, the book is mostly based on that personal experience uh, that I face and my grief books are also on my you know personal but it it pulls in all of these professional experiences that I've you know learned along the way but I learned them the hard way you know I didn't learn so these you're things trying out of to books. help us <laughs> yeah. make sure that we don't have to learn them the hard way well I hope well, that learn them the easy way I, no. ho- I hope that you know someone can pick up this book and really look at you know what what do I need to do right now so that I can take care of myself in a really profound way because life is going to throw you all kinds of curveballs whether it's whether it's losing someone you love or caregiving for someone you love or or just aging you know all these challenging things these transitions that we have in life we're all going to go through them. We don't know when or how, but it's going to happen. And we point, avoid it. We avoid it. We, we avoid thinking about it until we're in crisis. She's pointing her finger at me again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> no, French. No. I speak with my hands. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I, I, in fact, you are right. You should be pointing at me and to the listeners and say, you know, wake up. There, there are going to be things that happen in your life that you are not going to be happy with. Yeah. And I know if it happened to me, it can happen to anyone. Hmm. Like it can happen to anyone at any time. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a regular person and, you know, I thought I had it all under control and well, I didn't. You, you, but seriously, to write a book, that's a whole different challenge in its, itself and a, and a stressful experience. Mm. Was it a stressful experience to write the book? Or For You mentioned me, cathartic. Yeah. So maybe it was a bit of... That deep breath experience, and when you finally saw it published, you went, I'm doing good for community. Yeah, and for me, that, you know, the caregiving book was just, it was an amazing experience to write a book, and I'd, I'd written a book, I have a few books, this is just the first one being published, mm-hmm. and writing is what I absolutely love to do, it's my passion, I, I could, you know, just write <laughs> and not even be paid it's for it, I, I love it. Oh, so and that's it, what I'm getting at. Yes, of for sure, and I've been journaling since I was a kid. I just love to write. And so writing for me helps me process things in a deep, uh, you know, core level because mm. y- they say the, the longest 12 inches are from your head to your heart. And I get a whole bunch of stuff up here in my in my headspace, in my rational intellectual mind. But for it to filter through into my inner knowing, into my core, into my being, into my essence, that's what writing does for me. Mm. Well, Let's ask this question. You you did make that point that you are a Franco-Canadian. <laughs> yes. Do you think that that expressiveness in language and culture prepared you better to be a good writer to share these stories? And and we can take the the gender issue as well. Would a woman author write a different book than a men a male author? about this topic. Mm-hmm. I, that would be an interesting... That is a very interesting question. And I realize I need to do some more research on these <laughs> gender differences because the questions come up quite a few times in different ways, not that the particular question you just asked. No, because um, care, I'm going to go there. Yeah. Caregivers typically are women. Well... I, I'm not saying men don't. That's please, right. Please, out there in the audience, I know you'll send me a letter and you'll say, but I've looked after my mother, my father, my... Yeah. Yes, you have. But it's predominantly 
women-driven. And I think the, um, you know, it's a really good point, and I've worked, uh, you know, I, I do some conflict resolution work, and I've worked in different workplaces, and when I'm working in hospitals or in any kind of caregiving place, it's usually 90% women and, you know, less than 10% men. Mm. But what I, after, you know, having gotten this question and not knowing the answer, I've kind of started to look into this, and statistically speaking, just in the last 10 to 15 years, in the informal unpaid, there's it's gone from, I think it was 19% to almost 40% that uh, with males being caregivers. Now, that doesn't mean that they're the primary mm, caregiver, and that I don't know those Because there may yet. be several caregivers. So there's right. a lot more men who are facing these caregiving situations and are either the primary caregiver or in a secondary caregiving role so it does affect men now you know i do think that men would write a different type of book and that my it's book, time let me no i'm not yeah, going to write another book <laughs> yeah and i think that but it does affect it does affect men and you know it may affect and and one of the parts in the book is all on relationships and not just the relationship with the care recipient but your other relationships like how does this affect your marriage and your sex life when you're caregiving and you're exhausted and all these other things and you're frustrated and you're resentful and and how does that play into or when it's your spouse if it's you know if it's a caregiving relationship between spouses and it's your spouse that's got Alzheimer's or it's your spouse that's had an accident. How does that affect the relationship when you're now, you know, the nurse versus the wife or, or the or, or, the or other way around? around yes. um, you know, all these things that affect the relationship and how do you get Humans through all that stuff? Humans are complicated. It's very complicated. There's a <laughs> lot of... Relationships are yes, complicated. Relationships are complicated in the best of times. <laughs> oh, in the best of times. And so in the worst of times, yes. <laughs> a lot so more complicated. Let's take this topic, which is again something that I know you can speak on you live in a smaller it's not a city it's not a village it's a town mm-hmm. I'm living in a city but the majority of Canadians I know that if we could take the n- numerically we know that I mean Toronto Scarborough Montreal Vancouver they're big cities lots of people but Canada's stitched together by a series of villages and towns mm-hmm. caregiving in those places are going to be different than it is in a city. I think do you it's very dis- different. Do you talk about that at all, or is that something an article for the future? Yeah, I think that's one for the future. I didn't talk about that, and it didn't, you know, really occur to me until after I wrote the book. So I hear, you know, so many more stories and the so many more questions. And I think there's this there's pros and cons to both. When you're in the big cities, you have access to, to all the specialists, healthcare. and you have better yes. access. Like in if smaller, you lived in Sturgeon, which you do, yes, or in Elliott Lake, it's it's a hike to get to a specialist. It to is. bring a family member here, you might even require a, a hotel stay. That's Who's right. paying? Mm-hmm. We know where it comes from for some, yeah. but many cases we don't even need. We don't even know to apply for financial assistance yeah. to do these things. That's right. And we haven't talked on finance. Yeah. Being a caregiver is an expense. It is. It is. A, it, there's financial burdens. There's all kinds of. It's not just the mental, emotional. There's so many pieces to it, and I think there are some huge cons when you're living in small towns or, or villages or oh, remote places. When though it you comes know your neighbors to, better in a small that's town. A, okay, that, well, yeah, yes. agreed. The, yes. the pros are that 
that you often have more community support and families are closer and people can't, not, not that they're closer emotionally, I meant closer physically, physically yes. in terms of proximity and you can have more support if you're... in the it, cities. That's that right, yeah. There's so many different issues and so many complexities within families between cultures and so a lot of that stuff... I think that it's just, it's such a complex and huge... We haven't even talked about religion. That's Mm -hmm. a whole... And, you know, Canadians, we don't usually talk about religion. Mm -hmm. My guest is Lise LeBlanc, and she is... Well, she's going to tell us where to find the current book that's out. And, again, we we know there's a book coming out in 2020, May 2020. Let's just talk about the one that's on the shelf right now. Where do we find this book? So, the Caregiving series, you can find it right here at Chapters in Sudbury, and any chapter... Any chapters online at Indigo or Amazon? So it's public libraries. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, this book just yeah this book just came out uh, a month ago exactly today. This is very brand new. It's online and at bookstores. Would this be a good Christmas gift? Absolutely. A Christmas gift that's more valuable than just. Absolutely. Yeah, the the Conscious Caregiving Guide and the Insights book, great Christmas gift for any caregiver and even for care recipients because there's a whole piece in in the Insights book. There's a few stories from the care recipient perspective, so people who've gone through journeys of with cancer or mental health and what it feels like to be on that side of the caregiving experience. Do you have a website? I do. It's liesleblanc.ca. And people can go there anytime and find fresh news about what you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. And Mm. Facebook as well. And Twitter and Instagram. And all those. And all that social media. (laughs) There's, yes, definitely. uh, Access to Lise LeBlanc. You're going to pick up her book. I know you will. And you're going to look forward to her new book on grief. Well, look for, isn't that funny? You know, we we color these things. Uh, we, nobody really wants to read a book on grief. Yes, you should. It's it's part of living. Death is is part of living, and and grieving is part of living. This has been Hugh Cruzel and my guest Lise LeBlanc today. Well, look for her out there. I remind everybody again where to go on the web. LiseLeBlanc.ca. Thank you, Lise LeBlanc. Thank you.